Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we're recapping the second round of the NBA playoffs. So we previewed the first round, recapped it, we previewed the second round, now we're recapping it. So we're going to touch on Miami, New York, Philadelphia, Boston, Denver, Phoenix, and then the Laker-Golden State matchup. So I guess we'll start with the Lakers because I played, paid the closest attention to that matchup. I was pretty nervous. Uh, heading into this, I, as a Laker fan, I was nervous about Golden State. So basically, before the playoffs, the Lakers made all their trades. They looked a lot better. And this is before LeBron's injury. I was like, you know, this looks like a second round team. Like, I'm pretty comfortable saying I think this team can make it out of the first round. I think they're pretty good. Obviously, it depends on the matchup they get. But this is a second round team. Beyond that, I, well, I hadn't really seen enough. You know, because they didn't play that many games together where LeBron was healthy. You know, they had all the new players. And there was a moment there where they were really rolling. Actually, in the game where LeBron got hurt, I believe it was against the Mavs. It was That was the first time where I was like, oh, now like I was really starting to believe. And then LeBron got hurt and I was like, oh, well, I, I, I'm not really sure. But I was like, Lakers, second-round team, I really believe that. And then heading into the playoffs, I was like, I don't really want to play the Golden State in the first round, no matter what team it is. The Kings, uh, unfortunately, drew them. Obviously, they had a fantastic first-round series. So the Lakers and Golden State play each other, I think, on the preview. I was not sure. I was pretty I was pretty afraid of Steph, and I ended up going with Lakers. At, I think it's like 51%. I didn't feel super strongly about it. Um, and I think the main takeaway from this series was Steph still looked like Steph. He still looked amazing. He still looked unstoppable and was like a real, real problem. Beyond that, it's it's tough with Golden State because it's like obviously with Clay, the injuries are why he is a different player now. Like he's aged a little bit, but it was mostly the two injuries. And then Draymond's not as good as he used to. So it's, you have this problem, right? Where it's like Clay's not as good as he used to be, and you know we understand why. Draymond's not as good as he used to be because he can't put the ball like in the basket in any way, and he's probably not as good at defense now because he's just a bit older. And then you have Wiggins who. He had a weird thing because he missed a bunch of the end of the year with like a personal matter. So I can't imagine if you're Wiggins, that's not the best way to go into the playoffs, right? Like he didn't play poorly or anything in the series, but he's just, he's a strong two-way player that like he's, there's a reason he's not the number one guy anymore. Like they tried that in Minnesota. Like he's just not a big time huge scoring player that can like help carry a team he's a really good player and slotted in as like your fourth best guy he is really good but the slot's the slot and the impact's the impact and it really it's not really about him it's just like well where is the heavy lifting going to come from from this golden state team looney is a really good role player uh, DiVincenzo, solid role player. The, it didn't, I mean, if they got nothing from Jordan Poole, that Jordan Poole just evaporated. <laughs> that was not planned, but uh, I'll go with it. It's good. That Jordan Poole evaporated in this series, that, that's really what killed them because last year he was such a big part of their offense where like even late in the playoffs, like against Boston in the finals, he wasn't playing a ton because he's not a very good defensive player, but still like he played like 15 or 18 minutes and he had like double digit points. Like he definitely has that microwave element to him. And once he gets confident, like he can do things that are like unnatural <laughs> from scoring standpoint, but that they didn't have him as their 
their kind of extra scoring punch really hurt. And it wasn't I, I know Clay really struggled the last few games, but I think it was game two. He had that 30 point game where it's like when when Clay has a huge game and he has 30 points, he gets hot from three. It's really difficult to beat Golden State. Obviously, we knew that for so many years. And now this version of Clay, like you can't get that all the time, but you can get that sometimes. Like they still got it in this series. It wasn't like he laid an egg in every single game. But it's pretty stuff with, tough with Golden State moving forward now where I think it's going to help the offseason. Like they they got Gary Payton back and he didn't really play for them much uh, in the regular season because he missed most of the year with an injury and then he got traded at the deadline. And they had him. I think he then missed a little bit more time once he was on Golden State. But we talked about it all year where it was like this team has like six players and it's very difficult to compete in the playoffs when you only have six players. I know Kaminga complained about playing time and he's like been an interesting player defensively. But again, it's just where it's weird saying this with Golden State, but it's like, where's the offense going to come from? Because when you play like Looney's a good player, but he's not really an offense player. He helps with offensive rebounding, but like he's not going to score 15 points in really any games in a series. And then Draymond, same thing, like for two guys to score struggle to score double digit points. I get that they're your two bigs. And, you know, when you had Steph and when you had prime clay, you had the luxury. So like, this is how most teams work is you're getting like insane scoring and or playmaking from your top two or three guys. And then that affords you that you can give a guy 25 minutes that is good at things other than scoring. And that's what makes your team so dynamic. That's what makes your team so hard to stop. But with Golden State now, Steph's the only one that's really like a supernova offensive player. And now you're still playing players that don't really contribute a lot on offense outside of, again, some offensive rebounds with Looney. And then with Draymond, like there's a little bit of passing. And things get really difficult because so much is on Steph's shoulders. And Steph's efficiency was hurt in this series because he had to do so much and like the shot quality was difficult and just the, how much he was having to work from possession to possession. And then you got to give credit to the Lakers. Like Anthony Davis is playing at a defensive level. I'm trying to think like this is like one of the better defensive runs I can remember. It is really impressive stuff. Like it's getting to the point where teams are like the key is closed and it's pretty difficult to play offense when like the key is not an option. So AD playing at a crazy level and giving you offensive impact, but not giving you the offensive impact we've seen out of him for like, I'd say the prime of his career from he's 30 now from like maybe ages 24 to 27, right? It's not that crazy. I mean, I'm saying that he did have a 40 point game last night. He's still capable of it, but instead of averaging, you know, I think he's averaging something like he was averaging 22 points a game uh, in the playoffs heading into the third round that he's had their first uh, loss to Denver, but he's not giving you like the 27, 28 points. And I think part of that is he's not exactly the same on offense as he used to be. And then also he's using like such a tremendous amount of energy on defense. Like he is working extremely hard and he's dominating. He's really, really dominating. But it's that thing of like, I don't know if you can play at this level defensively, and then also 
even like, you know, if you don't think about the injuries he's had over his career, like it's hard, it's hard to be like a plus five on both ends of the court. It's really, really difficult. Um, but the Lakers, I think what the Lakers have going for them, they kind of show it in Golden State was their depth, which is weird because this team like really has been the opposite of depth in the regular season. They make all those trades. Ruiz had a good playoff run. Uh, Reeves and D'Lo have kind of traded off being that uh, offensive spark that can provide, you know, 15, 20 points. So LeBron is, it's weird. He's still been effective, but he hasn't been dominant. I think that's the best way I could describe him. On defense, I really liked his help rim defense, um, his, his defensive rebounding. Like he's looked spry and he's looked really engaged on that side because I think he's figured out like, I have to impact the game still and I can't isolate in the way that I used to. So a lot of it's posting up, passing out of that, uh, the occasional looking for the occasional cut. He's actually become really good at this later in his career. He spent more time off ball the last few years because he just doesn't have he doesn't have the legs to dominate like he used to. Obviously, he's 38. But he's become a really, really savvy cutter and a really efficient cutter. It helps when you're that big. It's hard to stop you. But he does a really good job of just like looking for the smallest little crevice and attacking that. So he's been effective on offense, but not the dominance you want to see. And some of that's the foot injury, some of that's the age. But uh, I like what I've seen on the defensive end from him. But the Lakers, it's it's an interesting team, right? Because if you recap that, AD has been dominant, dominant, dominant on defense. And he's been good on offense. LeBron has been a plus on both sides, effective on both sides. And then you have... Reeves, D'Lo, and Rui kind of trading off having offensive impact of having you know something like 15, 20 point games. And when you have that many guys that can do it, it works. Because the problem is, like most teams, the way they're built, like you have two stars that are really good. And then you have like a third guy, like Maxie's a good example of it. Maxie isn't as good as, you know, the ones and the twos on most of these playoff teams, but he has like legit spark. He has legit burst and he can go off for 20 points a couple times in a series. And I talk about that all the time. I like high variance players in your, uh, I want one or two of your, your role players that's getting 25 minutes a night to be a high variance guy because it gives you the ability to beat any team. It gives you the ability to beat a team maybe better than you. Or you can win a game where like your star players don't play particularly well and then boom, you get 20 points off the bench from your, you know, your fifth best player or whatever it may be. So the Lakers have shown that depth and I feel like Golden State was really lacking that. And some of it's roster construction, like, DiVincenzo, I think, is a pretty good player. He's a solid player. He is a good defender. He can move the ball well. Like he has, it seems to like know his job pretty darn well. But when you have him and Gary Payton, there's a little bit of overlap where they're they're more defensive oriented players, and they both are. They're just not. They don't have like the shot making, like the isolation shot making that you need. Like Jordan Poole fills that role more. And when Poole wasn't doing anything and then DiVincenzo and Gary Payton aren't really that guy, you could see how it's hard for Golden State to maybe win a game where they don't play their best basketball as a team, if that makes sense. So uh, the Lakers beat Golden State. My big takeaways here is I was surprised AD like this is this is something that that kind of made me think of the 2020 run with AD. He just played out of his mind. It was more offense, right? Like the defense was good. Great. But the offense was like something we hadn't really seen out of him because the shooting was so crazy. And people, I think, wrote that off to 
you know, it was the bubble, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And I think there was some element of it for him where it was like, I don't know if the, the mental aspect of it, they're not being a crowd. I don't know, whatever you want it to be. And I think we, we didn't want to fully give him credit for being like, oh, this guy has another playoff gear. Like it makes sense. We all kind of saw it throughout his career in New Orleans, not really being on the best teams, but it was like, this guy seems really, really special. And I think now getting a second healthy playoff run where it's like, oh, okay. So like the, uh, this just is what he is in the playoffs. Like he dominates, he finds another level. So I think that's a big thing actually for 80s legacy. Cause you know, you're 30, you don't know how many more runs you're going to get on a really good team. This is a pretty darn good team in the Lakers. And it's like, okay, AD is one of those guys. So uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway. I do wonder the longer this playoff run goes. I don't know what like LeBron's. I mean, he did go to the LeBron James of foot doctors, but I wonder because the playoffs are so long that could his foot get to 85, 90 percent if they are able to make it past Denver and get to the finals. And then he really could like start ratcheting up again on offense. But I don't know. It's just a long term thing. Uh, Reeves is making himself a lot of money. This is actually really interesting. More teams should do this. <laughs> Reeves is going to be a free agent. D'Lo, D'Angelo Russell is going to be a free agent. And Rui Hachimura is going to be a free agent. So all three of these guys are going to get paid. And there's been some ups and downs, especially if, like for D'Angelo. There's been some really good games. There's been some bad games. But that's okay when you have a stable of guys. Um, so I think that's the main takeaway from that series. Uh, Lakers win 4-2 over Golden State, and then they're going to take on Denver here in the third round, the Western Conference Finals. I'm going to be previewing that. That'll be the next episode. It'll come out later this week. Denver's up 1-0, obviously. They won last night. Uh, but let's move on. So Denver took down Phoenix 4-2, and this series was interesting because at Denver, it looked like they were just going to steamroll, right? They go up 2-0, and Phoenix looks cooked. Phoenix battles back in the series, and then Denver puts them away. And I think the main takeaways from this series were, okay, Denver's pretty deep. Denver has a lot of three-point shooting. Denver, when they get rolling, they are a really well-oiled machine on offense. And it is difficult to keep up with. Now, Phoenix is the opposite. Phoenix had Devin Booker just go absolutely ballistic. He had a two-game stretch where people were comparing him to like people that played in the 60s. And whenever that happens, whenever there's a graph where it's like some modern players and then some players from the 60s, that's when you know something crazy is going on. But Devin Booker, I feel like we started to see a little bit last year in the playoffs. He started to go like supernova. I believe it was in the Pelican series. And then he got hurt. And that kind of slowed him down. But I was like, okay, that's interesting. Because his thing is like big time shot making, isolation scoring, mid range, a really good shooter, you know, good from three. He gets hot and it's just 40 points. Like so quickly it's 40 points. And then this year we saw him just go to a, a different level, a different gear. I didn't know if he had. Because the issue with him is like, He's not a great defender historically, and he's not a great playmaker, but he ratcheted up the defense in the playoffs this year. He's been actually pretty effective as an off-ball chaser, chasing around shooters in the regular season. He's just not great at everything else. And some of that is it's hard to be a star in the regular season and shoulder those big defensive loads. And then also some of it is like athletically, like he's pretty quick. He can move well laterally, but he's not like a super vertical threat. And that kind of explosiveness just helps on defense generally. Uh, but I think Devin Booker, I think this is this playoff run 
makes you move him up in your rankings as players. Like he moved up a couple slots. I think I had him at like 15 or 16 this year in the right. So I did a top 75 players in the league right now, not this year, but just over the, like the last couple of years, last three years, you'd say, you know, who's the, who's the top 75 players in the league. I think I had him at 15. I think he probably moves up maybe one, two, three slots. Cause it's really hard to, to move once you get that high, but this type of playoff performance was pretty crazy. Kevin Durant, you know, I feel like we talk about portability a lot. I guess he's the most portable player in the league. Cause like he basically got traded, got hurt, didn't play any games with this team and then played in the playoffs and was like, pretty good <laughs> like pretty darn good i think so lebron's always been a little lower the stat uh, has always been a little bit lower on durant than other all-in-ones or maybe the eye test i think part of that is he is a really really great scorer and he can score on and off ball which is really nice to have that flexibility but with durant he's not the greatest playmaker like there is going to be some playmaking but he that, that's not what he's known for, obviously. And then he's like an above average defender. Again, it helps when you're like 6'11". You just <laughs> that kind of length and then like that kind of mobility that he has. Like you're just going to be a like a uh, somewhere between like a slight positive to a positive on defense. Um, but the playmaking has always been the thing that like that's not exactly his forte, but it's OK because he's just like unreal hitting shots and he, he shoots at a crazy high efficiency. So it's all right. But you could see how in the playoffs. It's how do I say this? Because it's not that he's not effective. Like he was effective in this playoff run, but and even like really great. But there is a how do I say it? It's almost like at a business, right? Like I worked at a at a radio station, right? I worked at a sports radio station for like five years. I was a producer. And basically there's like the there's three parts to a radio station. There's the salespeople. There are the the on-air talent and the producers, like the people that do the radio show. And then there's promotions, which is like, you know, when you do something at a restaurant or you do something outside the, the local sports team stadium and you're giving away T-shirts and whatever. So that, those are the three sections. And we had one guy. It was it was a struggling radio station. It went out of business and then it, I think it might have come back. But. Uh, we had one guy who was a salesman who we had a team of, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 salesmen, maybe maybe 12 salesmen. And there was one guy who was a lot better than everybody else. I think he probably sold a lion's share of the ads on the radio station. And he just was considerably better at being a salesman. He was very charming. He was a fun guy. He was fun to talk to. He was really good at his job. And the rest of the salesmen were just okay. You know, some of them had been there for a few years. Some of them cycled out every six months, whatever it was. They were they were not needle movers in the sales department. I'd say they were just okay at their job. And he was really great, but it didn't really matter because the station still went out of business. And it was kind of one of those things where it was like, he he did a lot for the station. He He provided a lot of value, but because he was only a salesperson, he was only able to do so much. And in my opinion, the management at that radio station was poor. Like the manager of the radio station was, I would say, not very good at his job. He was not involved in the three sections. Again, there was the sales, there was the, the production of the radio show and the promotions. He really only paid attention to sales because I get it. It's a business. You got to make money. But like that he wasn't involved in all three things, I think really, really hurt. And when you're a salesman, you can only affect the sales. Like you can't affect everything else. And I feel like with Durant, it's like 
there's multiple facets to your offense, right? There's the scoring, there's the playmaking, and then there's like everything else you want to put in there. There's movement, there's offensive rebounding, there's there's a whole we'll put intangibles, whatever we'll throw in the third category. And I feel like with a guy like Durant, the scoring is unbelievable. He is the best salesman at most of the offices he's worked at. But again, you can only affect one of the three sectors with that. And it limits your ability to, what is it? Uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. Like it's hard for you to raise the tide of the offense with just scoring. And then also like there's some issues in Phoenix where like him and Devin Booker kind of do the same thing. Like they're both really good kind of wingish scores in isolation, both on and off ball. They can contribute to your offense, but it's like, it's kind of like in with the Clippers. Like there's, you don't want a ton of overlap with your two stars because there's, there's other facets of the game. Right. And we talked about it a lot. I mean, everyone, I'm including myself just in the sports media where another issue with Phoenix was, okay, they have two really good players in Booker and Durant, and then they have two pretty good players in Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. And then they have a bunch of random dudes. And I was actually like, I like their random dudes. Like, I think their random dudes are like pretty good for being random dudes. Like Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit had a, had a game. Like, here's my thing. Like, if you're just a guy on the bench and you have a game in a series, like you paid for yourself, right? Like if you have a Terrence Mann game or you have a Landry Shamit game, I don't know what else you want from like a role player who's like in and out of the rotation. Tory Craig. Like for all the things Tory Craig can't do, I do think he's a pretty good perimeter defender. I think he's pretty tough. He's pretty strong, and he's going to give you that effort. He's going to occasionally knock down some threes. Where again, if that's your fringe rotation guy, like that's a pretty good like. Is this guy in or out of this game? Uh, Damian Lee was another option. Like they they went down the bench and they found some like they found a little bit of value. The real problem with Phoenix is that they had sixty million dollars not doing anything in the series. Like Chris Paul was very poor in the playoffs and he was poor in this Denver series. Then he got hurt because he's Chris Paul. It's the playoffs. That's what he does. He gets hurt. And then you had Deandre Ayton just like, uh, uh, I let's just say, I don't know if Deandre Ayton's going to be on the team next year. doesn't seem super interested. I know he wanted to leave last year. They, they, they matched his contract going to the Pacers. Deandre Ayton doesn't seem super motivated to excel. Let's we'll we'll call it that. Also, like he is a really, really dangerous pick and roll threat. And when all of a sudden your point guard, Chris Ball is not playing well and then not playing like that's going to affect the the pick and roll partner who is DeAndre Ayton. Because like part of the reason we saw Ayton play so well early in, early in his career, like he's a really good offensive player that finishes plays not only in very versatile ways, but a really high efficiency. So that's valuable. And part of that is like he was playing with Chris Paul, who's like, one of the best, if not the best pick and roll point guards of all time. So like their relationship is connected. And I actually think if you're going to get one of them, rid of one of them, you might as well get rid of both of them because like a lot of their values tied to each other. But I think that's kind of the, the, the thoughts I had on Phoenix this year. Obviously, they're going to retool a little bit in the offseason. And I think the Booker Durant thing can work. Like, I think they can win a championship, but you just have to have the right pieces around. I mean, the final game, they had $60 million sitting on the bench. Like, how often are you going to win a game with 60 mil on the bench? Like, not that often, especially against Denver, who, like, might be the best team left in this tournament, like, at the time. But that's going to wrap it up. Denver takes it 4-2. Denver just looks really good. Jokic, um, it's, it's finally great to see him on a really good team 
obviously he won those MVPs and people for some reason, I think I tweeted last night, like, I guess all those numbers were right about Jokic because there was something about people that they just didn't like him. And then playoff success cures everything. So, you know, he, he's been successful. I think people are finally like, okay, well, I'm on board now. Uh, moving. Oh, we're going to say, we'll say Philly Boston for last. Well, cause that one is too funny. Uh, Miami, New York. I didn't watch a ton of this series. I'll be honest. Uh, so one of the things about covering the NBA is it's difficult to just watch all the games because there's so much of it going on and you try to follow it as best you can, but we'll probably spend the least amount of time. Cause here's the thing. If you, if you haven't taken this away from listening to this podcast, like I'm not really big into lying or like stretching the truth or like saying, like talking out of my, oh, we don't curse on this podcast. My ASS. That's not really my, I, I don't like when people do that. So I'm not going to be like, well, let's spend 20 minutes getting into this Miami, New York series. And like, I didn't really even like get to watch a ton of it because I just have other things to do, uh, like covering the other games. <laughs> uh, but Miami, I think my takeaway, I keep saying like, they, how do they have enough offense? Like, I don't understand how they keep winning these games. It helps they're playing against New York, who really doesn't have a great offense as well. That, that definitely helps. But I think the biggest takeaway from Miami is Jimmy Butler's just so good. He's confusingly good. It's hard to rank him like in my top 75. I think I had him at like 12 or 13. And I'm like, well, I guess he should be higher because um, he just knows how to shoot threes in the playoffs. But I think another takeaway is Bam is good. And also Caleb Martin. I think Caleb Martin, he had a pretty good year. So not this year, the year before, pretty good year defensively. And then I feel like this year, it just seems like he he is a good defensive player. It seems like he is a confident player. It seems like he is a pretty high IQ player. And he seems to make a lot of winning plays. And whether that is uh, deflections, whether it's the timely offensive rebound, whether it's a defensive turnover, like I would, I, I haven't even pulled up. I would imagine his plus minus is good because I feel like players that, you know, in football, they call it having like a nose for the ball. He seems to have a nose for the ball. He seems to make a lot of plays. And that will help you in the plus minus department. So Caleb Martin, because I keep being like, I don't understand how Miami is like, is here where interesting, like, so losing Tyler Hero, he broke his hand in the first round where it was like, ooh, that's hard. Cause like, he's the secondary creator behind Jimmy. And that's really important in the playoffs. Like you need creators, but he's like not a very good defensive player. So I was like, I think Miami's defense actually got better with him getting hurt and then they lost some on offense, but they were able to replace that. It seems like they've resurrected Duncan Robinson. He's been really good from three in the playoffs. And I've always been a big fan of him because I just believed in that three point shooting skill so much. Uh, Strew seems to be playing a little bit better. Caleb Martin, I feel like has emerged as a really good player. Lowry is like solid. He's not what he used to be, but he's still a solid player. And, you know, obviously they have Bam. And I think you just put together like a pretty strong defense. And again, I don't really know how they're getting to 100. I keep looking at the box score after counting it up being like, how did they get to 100 points? But they were able to beat New York. I think New York is in an interesting place because I've said it all year. They have a lot of good players. Like they have like eight above average players, which is really impressive. Jalen Brunson, who I really like. It's just awesome to see him play well. Um, I really like him a lot. He seems to have poise. I think poise is something that is, I don't know how you get poise, but he has it. Um, you, their confidence is part of it. Skill, having the skill to back it up is part of it. 
uh, he seems mature. I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's loaded to like say that players are and aren't mature these days. I don't know. He seems mature. He seems to not shrink in the moment. So I really like Jalen Brunson. I don't think Jalen Brunson can be your best player on a championship team. Uh, possibly your two or your three. I, I think that's very, very possible. He's just taken like two years ago. Good player this year took such a big leap. Really, really effective. And then Julius Randle. It's hard because like he did have an ankle injury but didn't play particularly well in this second round. I think it's just one of those things, like, honestly, like the real answer, it's just not that sexy where it's like, are Brunson and Randall pretty good players? Like, yeah, but like slotted as your one and two, like, are you going to make the Eastern Conference Finals? Probably not. And I think like the answer is that simple, but that isn't the same as arguing on ESPN for 30 minutes or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I would love to see them go out and trade some of their depth for another good player. I think that would be a good idea. So I'll, I'll leave it at that trade three. They, they have like eight, eight or nine guys trade three of them for another like building block top three player with some picks. I don't know. That, that's my advice for them in the off season. Now let's get to Philly and Boston. There's so many ways I want to go with this. I Okay, so at the beginning of the playoffs, I predicted that Boston, I said they not only would they not make the finals, they wouldn't make the Eastern Conference finals. And part of me wanted Philly to win because I just love being right. Like that's one of my, it's no, 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 it's my favorite thing in the world. Being right is about as good as it gets. So that's what I was hoping for. Game six, I was like, man, if Philly puts them away, I would just love to be right about that. But the flip side is, Doc Rivers, I I love to see Doc lose. I just I just say it as it is. I just love seeing him with really talented rosters just blow it over and over and over again. I it <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the smile on my face. I love it. I just love it so much. So there was that element. I okay. So I'm not the biggest Embiid fan. We we know that, and part of it is I don't know if I buy into. How do I say this? He had an MVP caliber year. That's not my issue. I just think Jokic had a better season. That's why I think he should have won the MVP. And then off the court, or I mean, some of it's on the court. There, you know, we've we've talked this, we've beat this horse to death. Like there's bad body language. There seems to be time. Here's the thing. So there was like a quote in the uh, in the press conference after where he talks a lot about what he's got to do. And then at the end, he talks about how like everybody needs to be better. Right. And here's the thing in a vacuum. Like if we're talking behind closed doors where it's like, no, yeah, you, you got to be better. Da, 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 da. And then also the team's got to be better. Absolutely. Like we all got to be better to win. Like that isn't a crazy thing to say. Right. But you just this is my thing with him. It's like, do you understand the position you're in where it's like as the the MVP, as the best player on your team, like things aren't going to be fair. I feel like sometimes he's like, I don't understand. Like it, it feels like people aren't treating me fair and this is frustrating me. And while I can sympathize with that idea, it's like, here's the thing, dude. Like you're the best player on the Philadelphia 76ers. You think you're going to get treated fair? Like <laughs> here's the thing. I don't know if you know this. Your fan base pretty known for being very intense. Like it's not going to be like very fair. So I think part of it is just like understanding the bigger picture. So that's part of it. And the other part of it that I think people are not talking about enough is like people are mad that he didn't have the greatest series in the world. And it's like he sprained his knee 
And like last time I checked, I actually did a little bit of research on this. Like normally when you sprain your knee, you're out for a month. And he was out for what, like six days or something like that, where it's like he, that he was playing was, I was actually like a little surprised. Where I was like, I think he actually might miss some games here. And it looked, it was interesting because there was times on defense where it was like, oh, he's like, he's moving pretty good. And then there was times on offense where it's like, oh, he's being really passive. And it's like, oh, you know, some of it like could be pain management. Some of it could be like, it's just, it's just hard to move around, but I think we're not focusing enough on a lot of the times when star players have a, a bad run or a bad playoff series. I don't think we're fair to them. And I think I've been as critical as really you could be in a reasonable way towards him because like, obviously you could find other outlets other than this where people are more critical of him where it's like, sure, go for it. Like tear him apart. I don't care. Like I, I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to take cheap shots at him. So here's the thing, right? The reason you're listening to this podcast, the reason you probably like this show is because the takes are somewhat tempered where it's like, obviously we want to say insightful things. We want to say interesting things on this podcast, but we're like not going to say crazy things. And we're also just not going to like take shots at people because nobody, like really deep down, nobody likes that. Like nobody likes when that's happening. So like my thing on this episode isn't to take shots at him where it's like, yeah, no, I am sort of frustrated with how he handled the, the post game press conference, whether or not they take the quote out of context, you got to know that there are people in the industry where that is all they do. All they do is just look for things to take out of context. So you got to be a little like around the curve, right? Like you got to be like, ready and you got to know that's going to happen but that's not the point of this the point is he had a sprained knee most guys really all guys in the regular season they're just not even going to be playing like you just would not play this span of games and it's not like he was awful it's just he wasn't his regular dominant self and you know we talked about this on one of the previous episodes like when you build a basketball machine the way that this team is built you have your two stars Embiid and Harden, they have to do a ton. They have to create a lot because you're surrounding them with defensive players and three-point shooters. And the problem is when you take away the two engines, all you have is brittle players that don't have a lot of self-creation because you found players that, because you could find balanced players. Like I talk about this all the time. You could go find players that are a C across the board. They are a C defensively. They are a C in three-point shooting. They are a C in overall shot creation and shot making, right? Or you can get players that are an F in, you know, on-ball isolation scoring, but an A in three-point shooting in defense. And, like, we've kind of found those second guys – well, I actually, I think the real answer is you want to mix. I think right now people are like, you want guys – you want your stars to have the ball 99% of the time, and you want really good three-point shooting around them. The problem is, is that's a brittle way to build a team. It's not, like, a bad way, but there are shortcomings to it versus the other way, the way they used to build teams where they were like, we're just going to find like five of the best basketball players we can find. And like, we'll just figure it out from there. Where like, there wasn't enough optimization in the old way of doing things. Now, when you over, I mean, you could call it over optimizing when like a little rock gets in one of those gears, it kind of messes everything up. So when MB gets hurt, you can't really, I think DeAnthony Melton's a fantastic player. I had him in my top 75. He's an elite three and D player, but it's like, okay, Embiid's hurt. You're not going to give the ball to DeAnthony Melton and be like, just make them something happen for a quarter. Like that's not a great way to be successful. So I, I don't know. I just think that Embiid's knee injury 
needs to be talked about more because it's like that's the real answer. And here's the thing, right? Like Stephen A or whatever, they know that. Like they know that. But when something happens that could be misconstrued or it could be kind of warped, people in media are going to take advantage, especially in the playoffs, are going to take advantage of that. And they're going to create narratives that are not what I would call 100% true or honest, where if you dug down deep into it and you're like, okay, so we're looking at the numbers, they were still scoring, there was still like the efficiency didn't fall off a cliff, but it was just kind of like, nah. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, the offense is going to be driven in the same way because the gravity is not going to be the same. And also not only is the gravity not the same, the volume is not the same. So like you got to figure out a different way to get to 110 points. And that can be hard when Harden kind of had a Jekyll and Hyde series where he had a couple big games and a couple games where just didn't play as well. And all that being said, it comes back to this player was injured. So, I mean, when you get you know, 75% of a guy because of injury, like you're only going to get 70% of the output. Like it's just that simple. And then also it has to do with how the roster is constructed. Cause I would imagine, but I mean, if you lose, if your best player gets hurt, I talk about this all the time, you're going to lose, but I would imagine the Celtics could, let's say Jalen Brown has to miss two games against Miami. I think they could weather the storm better because they have Brogdon. They have Derek white. Like they have other guys that can score some that can handle the ball. Some, they can like do they have some skill overlap because again when you have a bunch of good basketball players on a team you have skill overlap and you're like oh i wish we could be optimized more but then when you're a team like philadelphia you're like we have very little skill overlap and we're very very optimized but an injury really throws a wrench in that so i think that kind of recaps the second round of the playoffs i'm excited miami and boston playing each other in the eastern conference finals and then denver and lakers in the western conference we're going to preview that on the next episode but I just wanted to run through these four series because those are the main things I wanted to hit on because it's just so frustrating. We all know it. When you turn on Twitter or you turn on you know, ESPN or whatever it is or like FS1 or whatever, uh, man, it's just like you're instantly irritated. <laughs> like you feel like your back just like tighten up a little bit. You're like hamstring tightens up. Like You're like, man, why am I like <laughs> just like 15% more irritated the second this comes on? Uh, and I feel like when I talk about these series, um, it's not a bunch of bull honky. <laughs> like I'm actually explaining to you what I think the reasons are that the series is went the way they went. <laughs> and uh, I just feel like that's a much better way to cover basketball. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. I got uh, some ramen to get to and some new stats we're formulating here at Basketball Index. So busy afternoon for me. But uh, if you want to talk to me about basketball or you want to talk to me about the playoffs on Twitter at Taylor Metrics, and we will see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index podcast. <laughs>